0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan
0: Strickland. Now, the way this story ends is that they get married, and he goes on to become governor of the state. Never gets to Australia, but he keeps reading a lot of books about it. I get to be sheriff of this town, and then I go on to become one of the most beloved characters in Western folklore. All right. Yay. Yay? Yay. Today, we are going to have a podcast discussion about a topic that comes to us courtesy of a little Facebook feedback. Yippee! And this is from Jackson who says, wondering if you guys could do a podcast about the OnLive game system. How does it work? What kind of games are on it? Is it a serious contender in the console market? Thanks. I love your podcast. Thanks, Jackson. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, we've talked about OnLive a couple times before, but uh, a lot of the discussion we had came before the, the service actually launched. Yes. You saw it at CES. Did you not e3
1: e3 sorry yeah, yeah. it was one of them I heard about fancy it. Schmancy yeah it was
0: e3 where I actually got my hands on it
1: ah yes um, and you and, enjoyed the experience then
0: yeah it was kind of neat the uh, the concept is that uh, it's it's internet streamed video games yes and not the kind of video games that you usually find on the web like you know uh, bejeweled or Farmville or any of those sort of things we're talking about the kind of video games that you see like like the hardcore Games on PC, Mac, and and your your video game console systems.
1: Yes, like Slice of Death Three.
0: <laughs> Assassin's Creed would be a good one. Ah, uh, yes. Which you know is should might as well be called Slice of Death Three. I, I um, just wanted to say Slice
1: of Death. Slice of Death. Yes. Yeah. Is so that, anyway,
0: that's just making me think of a uh, cake or death. Hey, I'll take cake. <laughs> All right, on you go. All right, so um. <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, this is, this is
1: a, a really a different model for gaming because um, for the longest time, we've been buying games for consoles or computers in which, you know, you go out and you buy your cartridge or your disk or disks in some cases, um, and you pop it into the machine. Um, in, in some of the older <laughs> games, you would buy the magazine on the newsstand, type the code into your machine, have it compile. Yeah. And then you could run the game. But, yeah, I mean, you were actually buying something and taking it home and plugging it in. Now, of course, we have online gaming. We've had it for quite some time now where you buy the game, you plug it into your machine, uh, you connect to the Internet, and you play with other people online. But this is a completely different model. It's not even the same as uh, buying a game from, say, Steam and downloading it to your machine. In this case, the the game itself is in the cloud. It's in right. the internet where you are not. Uh, you don't need to uh, put the software on your machine at all. Right. Um, in fact, you can run these games on PCs and Macs,
0: and also on a little on live console.
1: Right. And then, and then the console doesn't require you to go out and buy anything either. You. This is all done online.
0: Yeah. Once you get the console, you just hook it up to your router. And then you can play games. You, know, you you hook it up to your router, you hook it up to your TV, and then you can play these great PC games, uh, mostly PC games, on your television. And uh, it's it's really kind of an interesting concept. And here's here's the big draw with this concept. Okay. The big draw is that the barrier to PC gaming in general is that you have to keep upgrading your machine in order to stay current with the latest games.
1: Well, we've talked about Moore's law so many times, where uh, the processor speeds continually uh, get faster, and in fact, they are essentially doubling every 24 two months. Years. Yeah, eighteen um, to
0: twenty-four months, depending on upon whom you ask.
1: And uh, game development cycles run about actually about that long too, a year two and a to half. Two to five years. Two, yeah, two to five years. So people are developing games, and they want to in order to sell the uh, living daylights out of a game. Um, they want to take advantage of the latest hardware. Yeah, the they latest... want it
0: on the bleeding edge. Right. Like the, the idea for most games, like we're talking the hardcore games again, is that if you turn all the graphics settings all the way up, you are going to need the fastest machine that's on the market in order to run it when it when the game launches. Right. So yeah. you could still play the game, but you'd have to play it at, you know, you'd have to dial down the graphics. Most of them have settings where you can say, all right, well, my processor is not as fast as the one that they recommend, so I will turn it down. Now, this this also extends the shelf life of those video games, right? Yeah. Because it yeah. means that you know, three months from now, you might get the computer that can really run it at its uh, at its peak.
1: Yeah, and in, in my personal experience, there is this uh, lovely honeymoon uh, right after you buy the computer, where uh, when you pick up the the game box in your hand, you look at the system requirements. The machine that you just bought beats all those system requirements. and You take it home and you have this great experience where you get to run everything flat out. And then like a year, year and a half, two years later, you look at the box and you're like, well hmm, you know, I've I've got the bare-bones system requirements. I should be okay. And you are okay, but you can't take advantage of it. And then you get another year, two years later, you start looking at it like, how much do I have to turn off in order to play this game?
0: Well, see, I I think you're being really ambitious with the year to a a year-and-a-half thing. For me, it, it felt more like three weeks later I suddenly couldn't play the latest games.
1: Well, here, you know. Uh, those of uh, our listeners who are long-term listeners know that I am primarily a Mac person at home, although I have Windows and Linux available to me as well. Right. Um, Mac and, Mac games and PC games are a little bit different because Mac games have a lot longer shelf life. Now, PC games, the the uh, if you're a PC gamer, you know that uh, you expect to see a game full price for I don't know, probably six to eight months, really, I would say, and then before you know it, it's in the bargain bin for ten bucks.
0: Yeah. The I mean, it makes sense when you think about the way the development cycles work, right? Cause, sure. Because Mac computers get updated on a very deliberate pace. Yeah, they it's, really do. It's, it's dictated by Apple. Mm-hmm. So, when you're a developer for a video game, you know that. Uh, at least you have a pretty good idea that you're, that the hardware is going to remain consistent on Mac for a, a given amount of time. Usually it's right. a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Really, it's probably about two years between major updates. Right. So that means that for two years, your game is going to run like new on all machines sold after a certain date. Right. PCs are like absolute chaos in comparison because you have multiple manufacturers, mm-hmm. you have multiple... Um, chip manufacturers so you've got you know different processors out there uh what is going to be the fastest mac is going to be the fastest mac for two years what's going to be the fastest pc is going to be the fastest pc for maybe a month Mm -hmm. you know so with that kind of of rush then you've got the rush to keep up in order to play games right we kind of really got off track here, but on live <laughs> Well the the thing <laughs> is around that. Well yeah, that's
1: the that's the whole thing. You don't have to be with On Live you don't have to be caught up in worrying about whether or not you have this hardware yeah. in, uh installed on in your machine. You don't have to worry about the cost of the game on the shelf. Um what you really need to do is worry about the cost of the monthly subscription.
0: Yeah. Well, two things. The monthly subscription yes. and your monthly internet bill.
1: That's true. That's because
0: true. Uh, the one of the big things about this. All right, so so on live, they're worrying about the equipment costs. Right. They're worrying about making sure that their machines are going to run the latest games at the at the best possible um, uh, levels. And then what they do is they're going to compress the video that yes. is generated and then shoot it to to you, the customer.
1: Yeah, that's the trick. That's how they do it. Yeah. They, uh, they are compressing the video output of these games to improve the compatibility with multiple systems and to right. cut down on latency issues.
0: Yeah, so your your Mac or PC or that little console that we talked about, mm-hmm. they have within them a decoder that will decompress the video as it comes in.
1: Is it Fargo North?
0: <laughs> decoder. Um, the uh, No, no, not that kind of decoder. I, I'm not that southern anyway the the uh, the the device or the software will decompress this video stream so that you can view it theoretically in its full glory and it's based in the uh, the framework of the the interface mm-hmm. right so yeah. in, in the case of the pc and Mac software you've got this interface that you use to access all these games and the interface in theory will display the game at its highest possible uh Resolution without taxing your computer because right. the 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 real work is being done in the cloud. Um, that's not always how it works out because a lot of it depends upon your uh, internet speed, your broadband speed, as well as how far away you are from the server center that uh, the on live server center. Mm-hmm. The further away you are, in general, the um, the poorer your uh, your experience. Could be now. Poor is a given. You know that's subjective, right? Right. One person may say if if there's even a flicker, like even a a hint of an artifact, that that the situation is terrible and dire, and you should never do it. And you should just get it. You should just spend all the money for a gaming PC or a console and stick with that. Other people would say, you know what, I. I'm playing for the experience, and mm-hmm. a, an artifact or two every now and then because of Internet speeds or whatever isn't going to bother me, and they wouldn't call it poor at all. So right. your your mileage may vary is what I'm getting around to here.
1: Right. Now, um, uh, when you we were talking about artifacts, basically, um, if you've watched uh, digital video, um, I find it true for DVRs especially, uh, and something is moving very quickly. Uh, on screen, for example, I'm just saying this as an example, um, but you might see blocky. Things look blocky or pixelated. That's essentially what we're talking about. We're talking about artifacts, right? the, the You would have problems with the images. They wouldn't look smooth and crisp. It would look, uh, there might be some lag time on on the screen. And uh, by latency, too, I realized I hadn't explained what that means. Um, that has to do with your connection, whether or not you're making a... Uh, uh, a fast connection with the servers. If the packets of data are being um, held up on one or more of the servers along the route between you and the game center, uh, that's what we're talking about, latency. So um, by by compressing the video in the games, basically they're hoping that there will be fewer problems seeing the video. The l- video will look smooth, right. and you won't have a lot of issues with the speed of the information, because a lot of these games that they're they're talking about I'm talking about Assassin's Creed um these are games where being behind by just a little bit is going to hamper your ability to play the game significantly
0: yeah, I've read reviews and i I have played some on live games i played the uh, I played the um the pc based ones actually mm-hmm. I think it was a mac based one now I think about it at e three uh, they had several stations open and I got to try a couple of the things out mm-hmm. um, The lag issue is one that can initially be a little irritating. And lag, of course, is when we're talking about the time between when you tell the the computer to do something Mm -hmm. and the time it actually does it. Right. So let's say you hit that jump button and there's a a very short lag. I mean, usually the the lag is – we're talking less than a second in most cases. Uh, Even so, we can perceive that. That Mm -hmm. less than a second is is easily perceptible and it can throw you off at first – but a lot of the reviews I've read have said that once you get used to it, it's really not that bad. Like, yeah. you you start to adjust for it without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So the gameplay doesn't really suffer after, at least after you've gotten acclimated to it. Yeah. Um, so you can still have a really good gaming session, despite the fact that there may be a tiny bit of lag involved. Um, and, I mean, I've even played console games where controls did not seem incredibly responsive. Yeah. So it, this is not limited to just the cloud. We actually see this on native machines sometimes as well.
1: Oh, oh sure, sure. Uh,
0: but it, it's one of those things people w- worry about. Also, you mentioned the, um, the subscription. There, there are actually two different models on, mm-hmm. on live. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call it the play pack plan. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, play pack plan. Uh, it's going to be impossible for me to say that. It's, it's, too many P's and L's. Okay. So play pack plan and the play pass plan. Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, these two plans are uh, one of them is subscription based. That's yes. the play pack, uh, where it's uh, nine dollars and ninety-nine cents a month to, right. to play any of the games that are within that play pack uh, library. Yes. And and I should also hasten to add that that will not be all the games that are actually on on live. It's just gonna be the ones that are available in that library. And that's right. probably some licensing problems there. Sure. I would imagine that's the big issue. Because, you know, keep in mind, OnLive is not making these games. They're just making these games available. Yes. And they have to license these games from the other companies. So you've got that one. So you've got the subscription-based service, $9.99 for all you can eat, but it's from, like, it's kind of like a restaurant. All you can eat where the buffet does not have everything that's on the menu, but you can eat everything that's in the buffet for as much as you want. Right. For as long as you're there. Until they throw you out.
1: Now I'm hungry.
0: You've been here for an The uh, Oh. The, hey, that's a classic comedy routine. The play pass plan is where you purchase games. And um, you usually you can purchase them for a given amount of time, so three-day pass or a mm-hmm. five-day pass. Or you can outright purchase the game so that every time you log into your OnLive account, you have access to that game. And you may wonder why get a three day pass or a five day pass. There are a lot of games out there that have a relatively short, uh, a short session involved in in, in completing the game. It doesn't mean that the game is bad. It doesn't mean the game's not fun. But you can you can get through it within, you know, 10-hour gaming session. Yeah. So let's say that you've got a long weekend coming up. You may want a three-day pass to play through that one game and just have that experience. And you know it's not going to take you all weekend to do it. Mm-hmm. So there, there's no point in – and, you know, you know like maybe there's not a lot of uh, replay value to that game. So, you know, oh, I'll just do this three days. It's like renting a game. Yeah. Um, yep. For others, like, you know, really, really in-depth games, you may want a full purchase so that you can play it whenever you like.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, it, it sort of depends on the games, too, the uh, shorter games, with story arcs versus, you know, an on uh, something like a World of Warcraft, which is not available. Right, um, but there are first-person
0: shooters that are, and first-person right. shooters are, are some of those games, like especially ones that have online play uh, elements to them.
1: You can continually play. There's yeah. no end to the game. Yeah,
0: you may want to, you know, maybe a slow afternoon, and you're like, I want to jump online and, and, you know, snipe some people. Yeah. Uh, so that might be a full purchase. So, yeah, you've got these these two different plans, and not all the games are going to be available on each plan. So you're going to have some overlap where games are going to be available under either. Yes. And then you're going to have some games that are going to be unique to one plan or the other. So yes. you've got to shop carefully. Uh, speaking of games, um, the last I read, there were something like 40 titles available. Yeah. Uh, So that doesn't, you know, it doesn't sound like a whole lot. I mean, you've got game systems that launch with fewer titles than that, but then OnLive's been around for a little while, at least in the PC and Mac uh, iterations.
1: Yeah, Uh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, um, if you think about it, though, if you compare it to consoles, uh, for example, you know, the Wii, the 360, the Xbox 360, or the uh, the PlayStation 3, uh, I would think of these sort of as launch titles for a new console system. Like, it's sort of, proving that it works. And I have the feeling that uh, as more people sign up to the service, the, as uh, marketing takes hold and more people understand what online is, and uh, they get some more reviews under their belt, because the reviews I've read have been generally positive. Yeah. Um, I think, there, I think of... there may be more titles added to it in the future.
0: Yeah. Oh, and, and they plan on it. They say that there are a lot more titles coming already. But um, and you make a good point. I mean, 40 games at launch, especially if you if you're looking at the console specifically, the the console on live console that just launched out uh, mm-hmm. as of the recording of this podcast. Um, I mean, 40 titles is 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 great, mm-hmm. especially when you look at some of the titles. I mean, there there's some big name titles in there. Yes, there are. Um, whereas when you look at some of the consoles when they launched, sometimes sometimes they launched with fewer than 20 titles. Yes, and so you know you. You buy into it with the knowledge that for a little while, at least, you're gonna, your options are limited. However, that being said, uh, a lot of those reviews that said positive things about on life came with a lot of qualifications. Yeah. Uh, for example, it, it it depends very heavily upon the speed of your, your broadband access.
1: That's true, and we have mentioned many times in this podcast that uh, speeds are... Relative, um, the United States is not a country with the fastest broadband speeds in the world.
0: Yeah, I actually have uh, some figures on that. By far, yeah. Um, according to, it depends upon uh, which uh, experts or which uh, which company you you look at to see what the average uh, speed is. Yeah, and speed we're talking about megabits per second here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, OnLive suggests that to play the really intense games, the ones that are really graphic intensive, like you know Assassin's Creed, that kind of thing, yeah. you want five megabits per second downstream. Yeah, uh, that's pretty fast. That's faster than my internet access. But then cool. I don't use my internet access to do online gaming.
1: That's true. I mean, same I, for me.
0: I, I could upgrade to a faster service if I wanted to. I just don't need it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, according to Net Index, the average. Megabits per second speed in the United States. I can't believe this is true. is ten point oh seven. Now at the beginning of two thousand ten. Megabits. Yes, ten point oh seven.
1: The uh, information I've seen from other sources. Three point
0: nine eight. Right? Yeah, that was the beginning of twenty ten. Twenty ten. The the average was three point nine eight. But according to now, this still has the United States ranking thirty second worldwide. As far as speeds go. And I, I think the reason why that number is so high is because you do have a few select markets that have insane data r- transfer rates. Yes. Like in the 50 megabits per second range.
1: Yeah, so we're in some places 100 megabits per second. Which are,
0: that's that. throwing off the average. <laughs> yes, it is. Because I can tell you that I've never seen a speed faster than 3 megabits per second. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Downstream.
1: I, and I just get that. I just get 3.
0: That. Yeah, that's my maximum. I've never gotten that high, mm-hmm. right? I've never even gotten two, three. My my tests tend to be, actually, tends to be like 1.5. Uh, but uh, there are some regions that get really fast service. Uh, now, that was net index saying 10.07. Uh, speedtest.net mm-hmm. uh, is slightly different, but not by a whole lot. 9.89 megabits per second.
1: I'm living in the wrong neighborhood. Using
0: the wrong ISP. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, uh, and... Well, while the net index has uh, the United States at the 32nd ranked globally, um, speed test has us at uh, 33rd. So we actually drop a place in that one. Okay. Um, The top, do you want to take a wild stab at what the top nation is uh, as far as as data transfer rates? Iceland. No.
1: Darn. It would have to be South Korea then. There you go. That's it. South Korea. Because I know Iceland is uh, pretty fast broadband too but yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean Latvia is up there. So
1: Latvia is smaller than the United States.
0: That is true, Chris. Thank you for that input. So, so
1: is South Korea.
0: Yeah, that's, that is also true. So at any rate, we're talking about these these uh, you know, you have to have about 5 megabits per second to have a really good experience on on-life. Right. And according to these figures, there are plenty of places in the United States that do have these. It's not us, but some people apparently do uh so it, if you do have that high speed broadband and and it's it's you know reliable at at those speeds like you you reliably get 5 megabits per second downstream or better mm-hmm. then this might be a good approach for you um
1: yeah i also uh i think it's interesting when you sign up for an account with onlive um there's no fee to sign up for an account uh, and in fact there's no contract so once you sign up for an account then you you choose one of these monthly plans yeah uh, or you know for a for a play pass for a few days um so you know it's it's worth trying if you have uh an um an account or a uh, fast enough internet account to do right. that now they're not the only game in town ha <laughs> ha uh although they have uh, recently secured a patent uh which was filed um i guess about uh well, actually, uh, eight years ago now, as of when we're recording this, it was filed on December 10th, 2002. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, they they, are, they do have a patented process, but there are other people who are seeking a piece of this uh, pie.
0: Yeah, and it's understandable. I mean, again, you're t- there's, there's a real appeal here when you don't have to worry about upgrading your equipment. Yes. And someone else is doing all that for you, and it, all you have to do is have a machine capable of running the interface, and that's it plus, you know, controllers or whatever. But we're talking about, you know, their basic equipment. Yeah. Um I mean, that's really enticing. So yeah, there are obviously a lot of other companies that are going to want to get into it. And yeah. uh and not only that, but OnLive's actually looking into expanding into other services that other companies are currently providing.
1: Hmm, yeah, because when you think about it, um you know, streaming video. What most of the game in this yeah. case, the the game that we're talking about was, um, you know, compressing the video of the game. So let's see what other services stream video to uh, a computer or a TV.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, hmm. so for services like. Apple TV, Hulu, um, Netflix. Netflix, all these different services that stream video to devices, uh, computers, handheld devices, all that kind of stuff. OnLive's taking aim at them, and they're planning on delivering video services to customers as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're looking beyond just the games. It's kind of interesting. I'm wondering how many of the video services are looking into getting into games, like do it the other way around.
1: Well, of course, Netflix is available now on the major three current generation consoles. You know, the right. Wii, Xbox 360, delivering, and PlayStation Delivering
0: 3. Uh, video, not, not video games.
1: Right, right. So it, it doesn't seem like it would be a terrible stretch for yeah, them it, to be... Uh, to. They've already got um, the relationships with the console provider, so it seems somewhat logical that they might be interested in doing that since they've already got an inroad to the game consoles and... They don't have to develop their own their own hardware as OnLive has.
0: Yeah, I,
1: um, I don't know that it I will happen. Know. I'm just saying. I think it.
0: I think it's a lot easier to make the transition from video games to video than it is the other way around. Oh, I agree with so, you.
1: I'm just saying that Netflix has a relationship in place already. Yeah, and that uh, I agree with. And and that may be a, an attractive uh, outlet for them. Of course, uh, there are game rental companies already out there, so they might be looking for an opportunity to. Um, move into the streaming business themselves on on all fronts. It's funny how a long time ago we had uh, phone companies and cable companies, um, you know, and they all did different things and now all of them are encroaching on each other's turf. And it seems like this is the same kind of thing that's going on here where you have a company doing something. that seems like it may not necessarily be in competition with another. And then, you know, suddenly they are a a player in the market.
0: Yeah. Now, we talked a bit about how, you know, your devices don't need to be state of the art to be able to run this kind of a software right. and, and access uh these games, which uh I mean that's my favorite thing. I mean I, I that's why I got out of PC gaming, right? Because I got tired of having to worry about updating my machine. Yes. And I went to console gaming because all the updates were were firmware updates. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to necessarily worry about getting your hardware updated until they came out with a new console and then you'd be like, All right, well I'll right. go and get one of those. Mm-hmm. Did you see what the uh, processor is inside OnLive's micro console?
1: Actually, I did not write that down. What is the processor inside it? It's the it?
0: Marvell Armada. Really? And it's underclocked.
1: Underclocked. Yeah.
0: The reason for underclocking this processor was that uh, the OnLive said we don't need a powerful processor, so we went with a an affordable processor. And we underclocked it so it would generate less heat, so that way we didn't need to p- include a fan inside mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. microconsole, so it cut down on the size of the microconsole even more. And this thing is pretty tiny. I mean, it's it's um, like around the size of, uh, of like cell phones, some smartphones rather. Right. Right. Um, and it's uh, by by really cutting costs, cutting the bones down, whatever. You don't have to worry about having a bulky system you don't have to worry about making noise because there's no real moving parts there um so that that also can be really attractive to gamers um although i should stress that unlike the software that you can get for your pc or mac the console is not free right it's 99 dollars to purchase
1: yeah good to know It's it's certainly important to consider when you're making that uh that leap if you don't have a, a computer of your own and we're thinking that you just get the, the console
0: or you want to play on a big screen, yep. you know, and you don't have your computer hooked up to your television. Mm-hmm. Then this is a, you know, this is, and, and it also comes with a, a custom controller that actually kind of seems to be like a um, hybrid of the Xbox three hundred and sixty and PlayStation three controllers.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The, uh, the other element I would mention about this is that um, uh, I mean it's it's the micro consoles n- brand new, right uh, so there are only a few reviews as of the time that we're recording this podcast, but most of the reviews I've seen of that have been really uh, positive, including reviews of the controller. They say that it's really solid mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I mean that's it's a really interesting approach, and when you compare it against the prices of consoles, it's definitely attractive. hundred dollars is not much when you compare it to other consoles on the market.
1: And it's certainly, uh, you know, paying nine ninety nine a month to stream games, yeah, unlimited versus the games cost. within that library, yeah, right. For, uh, versus the cost of uh, buying a new game that you're going to play for, you know, somewhere between twenty and sixty hours. Not uh, to it's mention. something that you you would solve, you know, where you go, well, I've played through the game now. You know, yeah. a lot of people uh, I've seen brag on how quickly they can solve a game, and I'm thinking. And you just dropped 60 bucks on that thing and you've solved it in 24 hours?
0: Their parents dropped 60 bucks on oh, that well, thing. Oh, yeah, that's
1: probably true. But, um, but you I, know, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's a worthwhile investment if, this is, if you're a, um, a rabid gamer and you really burn through titles like this. It's, you know, it's certainly worth the cost.
0: And if you're a 360 gamer, mm-hmm. then you look at this and you think, wait a minute. So for, for $9.99 a month, I can play unlimited games and uh, that are within this library. Right. Keeping in mind that unlimited within the within the realm of that library of games, um, and I don't have to worry about extra costs. Well, with the Xbox 360, not only do you have to pay for the games, you have to pay for the online right. o- online subscription if you want to be able to do all all the stuff that's on there.
1: Right, right. The thing is, though, that you're making a trade off. If if the uh, the video part of the experience, if you're really interested in an immersive High definition experience where you've you really enjoy the lush graphics and the you know billions of polygons. Um, this yeah, may not be this may not be the service for you because right right uh, it's not the graphics uh, on the online the play is the issue.
0: Yeah yeah so I mean it's. It'll be interesting to see if this model really takes off and if it does it'll also be interesting to see what the traditional video game consoles do to in response to it if anything.
1: Yeah. I mean the the uh, marketing distribution camps are certainly going to be affected by this. I mean if this becomes the norm, uh companies that sell video games, retailers, uh will certainly take a hit from that and uh, I would wouldn't be surprised to see some pressure Coming from them on the video game manufacturers and some yeah, the regard. developers. You remember, or uh, uh, thinking specifically like the embargo on uh, streaming video on Netflix, where you can buy a DVD the day it's released versus you know having to wait, you know, for a while right. before it comes out on Netflix. You may see something like that. Well, you can buy the game now, or you can wait thirty days or sixty well, days and then play it on. Not on only off. that,
0: but I would imagine that. OnLive live would have real trouble getting first party titles indeed so anything that was made from microsoft studios for example it may be really challenging for on Life to get that on their system and you'll or prob- anything made directly by sony or nintendo would also be difficult
1: i was going to say you probably will not see mario
0: on on live or sonic to be fair we're also we really sh- should you know specify we're mostly talking about pc games anyway so it's not like it's the Console ones, but, but these companies but could do make out. console or make PC versions of a lot of the games. So, like uh, for example, the Halo games are available on PC as well as on uh, on the Xbox 360. Well, mm-hmm. I would imagine that you would not see that become available on on live because Microsoft has uh, ownership of that IP.
1: Right, and I would argue too that with a console, with them offering a console, they are go- they are interested in the console market as well. So they're probably, uh, they, they're
0: probably... I think they're interested in the console market, but but I think the games sure. are PC games. Like, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's going to always be the PC version of whatever the game is.
1: Okay. I had just uh, seen that as sort of a, a, a characteristic of the initial launch releases, and I sort of assumed that they might branch out into as many different kinds of games as they could.
0: I'm sure that is the case. I just... I don't know that they actually have... Like, I think there would be a whole new host of problems mm-hmm. if they were to try and do actual Xbox, PlayStation 3, and Nintendo games. Right, right. Right? Because then you have to worry about not just the software, but the hardware. Yeah. Whereas if they're talking about just games that run on computers, mm-hmm. that part's not a, That's not an issue.
1: Right. So That's a fair point.
0: It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I really hope that... Um, that it does well i've you know i signed up for it immediately as soon as it was available Mm -hmm. but i have not had a a chance to take advantage of it because i am not one of those people with the five megabits per second downstream data transfer rate so yes um i just get to look at other people and feel envy (laughs) so thanks yeah (laughs) um but um that thanks is not directed at anyone in particular i mean I, i if I really wanted to, I could change that situation, but I just haven't done that.
1: Yeah, when it was announced, I was a little skeptical about it. And uh, well, it, it has gotten, you know, they they made a release. They have gotten some acclaim. Uh, it looks like they are getting some customers. So um, it, it could was, change. There are definite
0: reasons to be skeptical. Sure. Because, I mean, there was a certain, I mean, I don't want to say ghost, but maybe a certain phantom <laughs> that, that loomed over the whole idea of accessing video games via the internet on a console yeah, that le- left a uh, sour taste in our techy mouths. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, obviously uh, to those of us who've uh, been around the video game world for a while, uh, the Phantom console is the uh, item to which Jonathan would be referring if there ever had been an actual Phantom console yeah, and not just a prototype. Um, so yeah, the idea is, it, itself is not it is a variant of that but uh yeah i mean it it's um it's out it's out for 6 months now as of the time we're recording this actually 7 i guess now yeah yeah um so it looks like it'll be here uh to stay at least for a little while and may inspire some competition and a new model of uh of electronic gaming so
0: yeah, I don't see a reason why not to try this, at least on a PC or Mac, because you don't have an initial investment. You can just yeah. play based on subscription. And if the service ultimately doesn't work out, you aren't out that that price of that console, right? right? Like, that that's the other big fear, is that if the service does go under and you bought the micro console, that micro console is now a paperweight.
1: That's true. A very small paperweight, but a paperweight nonetheless. Yeah, um, yeah they, my issues are. Uh... Are also bandwidth. I don't have a, a connection fast enough to run it. Uh, and um, the fact that uh, the games that are out now are really different from what I'm interested in. I'm more into strategy and simulation, and then there are not a lot of those on, on live yet. So
0: you'd be looking at things like Civ 5.
1: Yes, I would be.
0: You know, which that would be like, it's been so long since I've really updated my PCs. Mm hmm that that would be something I'd be interested in because I'd be like, I want to play that game, but I'm not really sure my computer can handle it.
1: It it would certainly be a good way to try out games.
0: Oh, sure, yeah. And they've got, OnLive does have a lot of ways where you can do a demo game. Most of the games have a 30-minute demo version that you can Mm -hmm. play for free. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good discussion on on live. I mean, you know, like I said, we talked about it before it launched and thought it was a pretty interesting idea. And I mean, my opinion has remained that it is an interesting idea. Uh, Maybe once my broadband gets uh, sufficient, I will actually get to change, go from idea to uh, to enact. Yes. You know, but we'll have to wait. So if any of you have any experiences with on live that you'd like to share, or perhaps you have a suggestion for a topic, or you have any questions, you can let us know on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or you can send us an email. That address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon.